0: Just after 4 o'clock on the Jason Greger Show, presented by PlayAlberta.ca. Alberta's only regulated online gambling website where all the revenue stays right here in the province. Dare to dream, boys and girls! One day that Henday will be completely construction free just because of you and PlayAlberta.ca. You never know. Although I, I hear rumblings that they're already talking about having like an other ring road being built for the big truck, so see if that happens. Well, the good news is uh, every year inches closer to the goal of the Yellowhead being a freeway by uh, 2044. So that's that's the one I'm looking forward to the most Ready? That's still my favorite business plan ever. Yeah, we want to be a freeway by 2024. 2044, I should say. 24 would be unreal. But 2044. It's awesome. You can always text us at 101260. Email us in our Jiffy Lube inbox, jgregor, tsn1260.ca. As we get to our playoff report now, brought to you by... Tentacore, from fire hydrants to custom-fabricated items to pumps and hose. Call the team at Tenacor for all your industrial fire protection equipment needs. Go to tenacor.com as we welcome in Mike Rupp from the uh, NHL Network. Uh, of course, uh, Stanley Cup winner, played in the playoffs a lot of times, Rupp. Er, and um, I know you won early in your career, so maybe it's a little bit different. But, you know, the Edmonton Oilers as a group, and especially their main guys, like they were gutted by this loss to to Vegas. Like I, I really believe they felt like they had a good chance to be a competitive team and go deep. They had a lot of faith and it got ripped out very quickly. The series was 2-2 and then boom, two bad second periods in game five and six and season's over. And uh, Even though they went deeper last year, it just seems like this one hurt them way, way more. I actually think they'll benefit from it because a lot of their leaders talked about how we got to stop gifting goals. We've got to make it harder for the opposition and I've seen it up close and personal for a long time. How how difficult is it to make that mindset change, or is it that simple? And, and how do you think we're going to see that on the ice next year for Edmonton?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's a great point. you, you got to experience it a lot of times, and we always speak on teams that have gone through it. And uh, I, I agree with you. They, they, they may have gone further last year, but I think that team this year was closer to um, be in a, a, a team that can win the Stanley Cup. So, I think that's what probably stings even more. Um, I always felt like it's really important to – I mean, it doesn't matter. Anytime I got knocked out of the playoffs, it, it, feels, it feels terrible. Like, you, you know, it doesn't feel good, and you, you have stretches. But it, the, the ones that stick with you longer, like into your summer, it still burns. You know what I mean? Like, you'll sit there at different times of your summer. I mean, some of these guys, you, you want to unplug – Maybe you're out at the lake, you're doing something and then just pops up and it, that sting comes back again and you start thinking about it. And that's where I think change happens and, and you start seeing and, and know the sacrifices that, that have to be made. So uh, I agree. I think this year's Oilers team is is much, much closer than they were last year, even though they got eliminated earlier. And we'll see what kind of adjustments are made and – um yeah I, I think you learn from it you grow from it and you hope that it could be a difference in, in next season
2: so how do you really get that change you know like I, 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 I use the terms you know there's been a lot of thoughts and prayers about playing better defense but it, there's there, there's been you know some change but obviously not enough by what the standard they want so what would what would be your action plan for the players and coaches to to deliver this next year
1: well, I think the big thing too is is to recognize. Do when you talk about even the gifting of goals. I'm not even speaking on the Oilers, but in in this postseason, I think we're seeing a lot of we're seeing a lot of goals. We're seeing a lot of times in uh, these playoffs where I don't know. It's like teams can't and, and don't necessarily manage these these momentum swings. And yeah, I think that that's something that. I think you have to you, – you experience it. You understand that everything is under uh, – everything's un, everything's under a microscope in the playoffs. I mean, you sit there and you – you it's very tedious, our video sessions, and you, you look at every little nook and cranny of the other team, and, and you realize over the course of the game that one simple misplay of a puck can change everything. So I don't know if it's something that you can necessarily teach a player. Like, hey, we've got to want this more or – it's just about recognizing the importance of every little play. And I think that's something that is a little bit of a lost art in the NHL right now is, is all the little plays that add up over the course of the game. And I think uh, there's a lot of teams out there that just want to score that goal and, and get on the power play and change things real quick in and, and, and one shift. So, um, yeah, I think that that's the thing. You just You, you focus on those little subtleties. And the momentum swings of hockey game, I think, are, are really everything in the playoffs.
0: Mike, Rob joins us I'm the sports editor, TSN 1260. Mike, you look at um, at the teams now, Vegas, Dallas, Florida, Carolina. Let's start in the east, and uh, I look at Florida, and they're tr- their- – path right now to the eastern conference final and i just think it's way more difficult beating boston and toronto compared to the islanders in new jersey and so i, I view florida as a, a heavy favorite to me now i know the good news for carolinas are getting tara Bynum back but what do you make of that am i underestimating carolina i i, I know you can't punish him for who you have to play but i just seem like florida to get where they are at i just i like their team better
1: yeah, so the way Florida's been playing, I think that it's been pretty well documented on, on their tenacity, their forecheck, they're getting great goaltending, all those things. But uh, he, here's the one thing that I'm going to be looking at in this series is, and quite frankly, of the of the four teams remaining, and this is no knock to the Dallas Stars because they are actually probably the team I think that is set up the best to possibly win um, the Cup, is the other three teams, Vegas, Carolina, and Florida, all three heavy forechecking teams. Uh, they, they, they play a certain way, and they put you under under the gun. You're, you're under pressure a lot. Hey, here, here's my, my kicker in all this. The Florida Panthers have played a record-setting team we know of the Bruins. We know that they played a uber-talented team in the Leafs, but neither of those two teams had uh, the, the forechecking game, the, the lines one through four rolling at you Um, and kind of having the same attributes in all four lines that the Carolina Hurricanes have. We'll see if Florida can handle it. It's a little bit of a dose of their own medicine, what they've been doing to the other teams. But, you know, I don't feel like Boston did that to Florida. I don't feel like Toronto did that to Florida. Carolina is going to do that to Florida. Can Florida handle that? Uh, I think that's going to be a a key component because both those two teams in the East, I mean, they both rely heavily on their defense. When I came across the stat today, I had no idea, um, you know, during the regular season, we know Carolina's had the most offense from their from their back end. Uh, but today, I looked at—I was looking at Brandon Montour. And he's number four. He was number four in the regular season in shots on goal for defensemen and just shot volume. Do uh, you know number five in shots on goal was Aaron Eckblad? Number six was Gustav Borsling. So you've got three of the top six volume shooters from the back end. I mean, that's pretty significant. Can those guys get those touches, those looks, get the shot through against a Carolina team that's going to be very, very well uh, structured uh, and uh, putting pressure on them.
2: Rupper, you know, it, it, not so much in the second round, but the first round, Kachuk was very involved and, and, and not quite as much against the Leafs. Do, how do you think if you're the Canes, do you approach it? But What will be Rod the Bods' message to the Canes players in dealing with Kachuk, assuming he kind of hits his annoying stride?
1: Well, I mean, I think it's probably the same thing. It's every locker room is spoken on with this guy since he's coming to the league. Ignore him. It's easier said than done, though. You know, I mean, this is a, a player that uh, you, you want to try to annoy players that get under your skin. But when those players are up there and, and they potentially could be the best player on the other team, too, it's kind of hard. It's hard to not fall into that. Or, um, you know, Matthew's very good at what he does. So I think the big thing is to – kind of not get involved with that stuff. He thrives off it. They thrive off it. Um, but I, I also think that Carolina team is is a team that uh, they, they control a lot of metrics over the course of the games that they play. So, I mean, they do, whether it's possession or, you know, shots, uh, all, all those things that they they control in, in a big way. I think it almost makes it where Matthew's going to have to try to do more and try to garner momentum. So I think Rod's message has got to be, voiced. we should be in the driver's seat. We're the second-best record in the National Hockey League this year. Um, You know, let them adjust to us. I I think it's going to be more so about that than, than worrying about what the Florida Panthers do.
0: What about Dallas and Vegas? Uh, You see Vegas come in, uh, beat a very good Edmonton team. Uh, Dallas got pushed to the brink by that that gutsy Seattle team where everybody chips in. Who do you like in the West?
1: So, I mean, I I, I think that I like Dallas because uh, this is a really dumb reason why, because on paper they check all the boxes. and um, If you're going on paper, all those teams were thrown in the fire this year in the playoffs. (laughs) Yeah. of teams that you expected to do well did not. So, But I, I still think that what they're getting right now from Rope Hintz, Miro Heiskanen, um, you know, Jake Ottinger's ability to be the best goalie left. Uh, I don't know if he always is every night right now, but he's got the ability to kind of take games uh, in his own hands. Um, I'll tell you what, Game 7 against Seattle, that's the best I've seen Tyler Sagan play in probably, I don't know, eight years. You know what I mean? So, like, he was incredible. Uh, Jamie Ben still getting it done in paths. Um, you know, and they, they got Jason Robertson, who I, I still think is trying to navigate what playoff hockey is all about, how to find his game. He's, he's been, he's been fine. He's been okay, but this is a player that's way better than okay. And I think he can get hot. So uh, I, I like them, but Vegas, I'll tell you, I didn't, I didn't see them getting by Edmonton. I didn't. Uh, I've been, I've been thinking this Vegas team is probably, I don't know. I, I, I the least impressive team for me in Vegas since they've since they've come into the league, I've thought that all year, and I've been proven wrong every every moment. I mean, the, the way they the way they go, um, it's, I give them a ton of credit. So uh, they're not going to beat themselves if Dallas if Dallas can find a way to not not open up themselves, trying to look for offense. You know, try not to. Um, do too much if you get frustrated. Just be patient. They should be okay. But Vegas is also a team that frustrates the opponent. So uh, I think this is going to be a great one. I think it's going to go seven games.
0: Rupper, um, if you're the Toronto Maple Leafs, what happens?
1: Uh, I mean, obviously, the first thing you got to figure out is what's going on with Kyle Dubis, Brendan Shanahan, Kyle Dubis, and, and Sheldon Keith. Um, uh, you know, I, I think more from the the player standpoint, I, I think it's time you've gotta try to find a way to move one of the big four. And uh, I know that there's there's no move clauses that are already active. It's a delicate situation I think. Um, but I, I just think that you've got four very good players, like awesome players at times. I, I just have I've seen I haven't seen them find another level come playoff time. I just haven't seen it. I've seen other greats do it. I've seen players coming up through. I mean, yeah, I've seen an edge like you guys have seen with Connor and Leon at times, where they've got they've got a little. They're, they're just different. They've got a different look in their eyes in the playoffs. And you know, I know Connor and Leon's production in the regular season is incredible, and it might be just the same in the playoffs. So you, but it's different. They they find other ways um, at, at times, and they're still trying to figure it out too. I've seen Jack Hughes in this playoffs, who I thought the playoffs would eat him up. He found another level. He battled. He competed on pucks. He, he did the right things at the right times. Um, he's learning it. The big four there, they, they, they're two vanilla for me. You can't have your best four players that don't provide any of those intangibles. You can't have half the salary cap uh, designated to four guys who the other half of the salary cap you're trying to fill in to do what they don't. You need your stars to have some attributes, like second, and third, and fourth liners as well. You've got to, they've, got to, they've got to go into the battle and win puck battles. And that's something that's lacked in Toronto. And um, when it's not their depth that, does, that gets them or goaltending, it's the, the, the star players let them down in those moments. It's not in their DNA. I think you've, you've got to compliment them, use that money elsewhere. You can't have the big four that, uh, that don't provide those things.
0: Rupper, great stuff as always, man. Enjoy the who you so uh, your who you taking? Who's going to the uh, Stanley Cup final?
1: I'm going to say Carolina. I'm going to go Carolina, Dallas. and I think Dallas wins. Carolina,
0: Dallas. Ooh, the Stanley Cup winning Dallas Stars, first time since 1999. All right, Rupper, have a great day. Awesome, guys. Enjoy. It's uh, Mike Rupp from the NHL Network. Jason, Gregor, Jason, Stroud, Connor, Halle. If You have to Sports Leader, TSN, 1260. Uh, when we come back. Have you ever? Have you had like the side glance? You probably have. What does it mean? We'll dig really deep next on a topic that, frankly, I'm quite surprised by. The Gregor Show, presented by PlayAlberta.ca. 4:30. Jason Gregor, Jason Schroeder, Connor Hiley with you, and Edmonton Sports Editor TSN 1260s. We get to the MLB report brought to you by All Tech Supply Strength. Through distribution, the only Canadian-owned Valve Master distributor that exclusively supports your local supply store. Go to alltechsupply.com. Strength through distribution. Steve Gardner from uh, USA Today joins us. Uh, Steve, welcome to the show. I, I want to get your thoughts on, you know, there's lots of people, you know, making a note of, oh, geez, Aaron Judge is side-eyed looking into the uh, Yankees dugout. And I'm kind of like, okay, so unless there's like a video somewhere, but if you're able to pick up something that the opposing pitcher is doing, there's nothing wrong with that, or am I wrong? Am I missing something here?
3: No, as long as it's not uh, electronically transmitted yes. and we don't get into any of those trash can banging type things, uh, <laughs> this is the kind of stuff that's been going on in baseball for almost since the game was invented. So, yeah, you're always looking for an edge, and if your opponent is careless enough to maybe give away some clues or something like that, baseball players and especially base coaches and, and guys that maybe aren't on the field playing but are in the dugout and are looking for these things, uh, they're really good at finding them. How much does it affect
2: uh, the Blue Jays with Guerrero being out, it sounds like, day-to-day with a, a, a troubled knee?
3: Well, definitely. I mean, uh, you know, that's a huge bat in that lineup. And uh, if he's every day he's not out there, your offense is considerably weaker. So, yeah, I I guess baseball fans and Jays fans in particular can only hope that it's, you know, just one of those things that you you try and manage through the course of the year. Everybody's not going to be 100% for 162 games, but um, hopefully it doesn't slow them down too much.
0: You look at this season, I saw Jason Stark had a fantastic article outlining, like, stolen bases are projected to be like a 1,000 more and 1,500 more runs. The games are way quicker. Like I don't see how anybody can oppose some of the rules. Now that you've had Sir Chance, you've covered baseball a long time, what are your thoughts on all the rule changes? Uh, Have you liked it? Has there been anything that you're like, meh, I don't like, or are you loving all of it?
3: You know, I I was kind of skeptical at the beginning of the season because I wasn't sure how it would play out, and especially the shift rule was something that I was, you know, why are you taking away teams who are smart and who know where to position their players um, why are you taking away that advantage? Because there, you know, are not there aren't that many advantages that you can get, you know, strategically anymore. Because the game has turned into you know power versus power most of the time. But I'll tell you what, the results and the changes in the game that we've seen just in the first you know month plus. I think have made it a more enjoyable game to watch. There are more base runners on, there are more singles, more runners I think in what Jason pointed out in his article, more more runners going first to third now. Which yes. is something that you know I, I didn't really realize that I missed. But but now seeing this more, it's like, yeah, that's good because you want to see the right fielders show off, you know, the Jesse Barfields and, and guys like yes. that with the cannons in the outfield. Um, we want to see those guys show off their arm and, you know, the runners challenge them. And, and that wasn't happening when you had, you know, your third baseman playing in short right field and cutting all of those off. Even if, you know, even if it was a single, you weren't seeing those first to third plays as much.
2: So, you know, there's always unintended consequences with any action. Do you Looking at the type of baseball players and what this can mean, Would you, could you see that, that the team's kind of evolving away from where they're at to maybe get a different style of ball player or look for other attributes in, in ball players that they haven't maybe favored uh, because of what was happening previous to these rule changes?
3: Yeah, I think, I think we're seeing a lot more of the athletic infielders um, yeah. to where they can make plays and have larger ranges, at, especially in the middle infield at, at short and second, where a lot of times you know, we saw teams just put guys who, you know, I think of Hanejo uh, um, uh, you know, Suarez when the Reds tried to play him at shortstop um, and he was definitely not a shortstop, but because his bat was so good, you know, it was worth it to them. Now, not so much. I mean, we, we're going to see, I think, more, more playing time for those infielders who can be a defensive asset. And maybe that changes a little bit more. Maybe you get some more um, base running uh, specialists or, or guys with really good speed who can contribute in multiple ways rather than just, you know, coming in as a late defensive outfielder or something like that. So, yeah, I think as, as we get used to these new rules and the changes in the game, teams are going to figure out what's, you know, the optimal way to deploy their rosters. And, uh, and I think, yeah, we're going to see, again, maybe it'll turn out to be that the smart teams figure it out sooner than the teams that aren't so smart. And it, it all, you know, ends up being the same sort of thing anyway, but, but a better game to watch. Are you surprised at the Tampa Bay Rays? Everybody's like, "Oh yeah,
0: they had a great start because they had a weak schedule." But here we are, and the Rays are still pretty dominant. Um, you know, uh, thirty-two and eleven. Of course, they have the uh, the, the best record in baseball. The Dodgers are, are closing in a little bit, but are you a big believer of the Rays? I know they're only five and five in their last ten, but when when you have such a good start like that, you you know, heck, they they could
3: stay five hundred and still finish with you know ninety wins. Absolutely. Um, and, and I think, you know, the Rays have, have taken advantage, and uh, they've taken advantage of what the schedule has given them, yes, but. They're still very good in every single phase of the game. I mean, uh, they're they're leading the majors in runs scored and also in lowest ERA, or at least they were the last time I checked pretty recently. That tells you that the team is really good top to bottom. They play well together. Kevin Cash, we've seen him in many years past, the way that he uses his roster from top to bottom, every guy on that roster, has a role, and, and gets to play, gets to contribute. So, it's not really a surprise. The fact that they're this good and, and are still there 19-3 and three at home this year, um, you figure that that's got to regress some. And they also have to deal now with, with not only Jeffrey Springs, but Drew Rasmussen, who have been injured you know that's two key cogs to that starting rotation can they patch that up and you know whether it's use an opener and a bulk reliever you know they're going to have to figure out some ways to uh, to patch that rotation and replacing those two guys as great as they've been to start the season for the rest of the you know the three quarters of the season that's left that's not going to be easy
2: obviously the al east is, is a good division so of the five teams which team do you think has the most kind of slack in the rope? Still, they can, you know, maybe explode and 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 get on a bit of a run in a very tight, tough division.
3: Wow, that's that's a great question because they are. I mean, everybody in the divisions above 500, everybody has a positive run differential. Um, but you look at what the Yankees and the Blue Jays both—they um, haven't seemed like hit their stride just yet. And while they're playing really good baseball, and it, it's funny to look at that, and the, the winning percentages, both of them around 570, playing 570 ball and haven't really hit your stride yet, <laughs> that's pretty amazing to think about it. But, um, but considering you know how great a start the Rays have had, how great a start the Orioles have had, it seems like both the Jays and the Yankees can – kind of pick it up it would not surprise me to see them close the gap on the Rays, and this be you know a, a ridiculously fun race as we get into the the dog days of summer
0: it's going to be uh, fascinating to watch how the season progresses and, you know, will teams adapt. I just think the new rules are, are hard to adapt to as far as slowing down the game. And you mentioned little things like first to third. I love it. I, I find I'm, I'm enjoying watching baseball way more than I have in, in quite some time. And I, obviously I'm not a regular who watches it as much as you do, uh, Steve. But uh, I, I think uh, lots of people I've talked to are like, geez, I find myself watching, you know, a few more innings of baseball just because it's going a lot quicker now.
3: Exactly, and the, the time between balls being put in play, I think that was one of the more interesting stats that I saw, is down considerably, and when you get action and you get you know, singles and doubles and, and stolen bases and, and things like that, that instead of just your basic you know, strikeout, walk, you know, full count, foul balls, you know, an occasional home run, it is a, a more enjoyable game to watch. Uh, going, uh, even I've gone to games as a fan so far this season with the new rules, and it does. It, it moves along quickly, um, and, and the fans seem to enjoy it more, even if they're getting, you know, in terms of time, less baseball. It's certainly more compressed and more, more exciting and, and a better product.
0: Awesome. Thanks so much, Steve. Appreciate it. Have a great day.
3: Thanks. Appreciate it. Bye bye, Steve Gardner from
0: uh, USA Today. Honestly, like I, you know, I've enjoyed watching uh, games way more this year. I, I love the, uh, you know, I now maybe it's because a little bit. I grew up when Vince Coleman and those guys were stealing bases all over the place. Right? and he mentioned Jesse Barfield. The guy had a cannon of an arm. I used Bo Jackson strategy. Remember Bo Jackson throwing guys out, they try to go first to oh, yeah. third sometimes. You kidding me? So heck they try to go second to home and he would gun him out all the time. So, you know, it's just a new aspect of the game. I love stolen bases. I think it's you know that little cat and mouse game. And the thing that's great about the stolen base now is you can't just throw over to first base <laughs> endlessly. Right? So you gotta really decide, okay, when do I want to do it? Because you're limited in how many. I I've really I'm curious about the baseball aficionados that are listening to the show right now. What's your thoughts? On, on baseball, were you like Steve, who was a little skeptical? Now you're loving it. Do you hate it? What do you know? Let us know at uh, 10, 12, 60, and uh, we'll return to that as well as five questions. The Gregor Show, presented by PlayAlberta.ca. 4:48 rolling through at the Sports Radio TSN 1260. How are you? Hope you're having a, a wonderful day. I know the uh, air quality is pretty high right now. I, they sent a notes Got a nine, so. Uh, Check it out for any of your uh, kids who are playing soccer or uh, baseball tonight. Uh, That could impact uh, their ability to play their minor sports. Tonight, let's get to five questions brought to you by The Brick. Their tent sale is on. The tents are up. The prices are down. 60% off the original price on uh, clearance items like television, as is furniture, and more. 60% off right now at The Brick.
3: It's time for five questions on the Jason Greger Show.
4: All All right, guys, I asked you this question yesterday about the Oilers players, but since uh, Ken Holland and Jay Woodcroft spoke today at the end of the year press conference, what was one thing that stood out to you?
2: They, They just both seem to be very distraught that they lost, right? Like, you know, Ken Holland said, we have a very good team. They lost to a five. They were a six. Like, it's just... They just seem really down about it. Um, and they seem like they're all willing to do whatever it takes to get them over the top. So that that's my biggest takeaway.
0: Well, I, I guess the biggest takeaway for me um, from uh, Ken Holland was that uh, he's like, hey, I'm, uh, I'm focused on next year. And after that, who knows, uh, you know, he said he's going to honor his contract. So you don't know if he'll be back after that as a GM. That's uh, what stood out to me. Um, uh, Woodcroft, I didn't say anything that was really, you know, earth-shattering for me. Other than um, hey, the the orders are going to have to, you know, there's going to be some changes. Stretti, I like your idea of of uh, you know unforced errors that led to goals, and uh, you know that'll be something to look at because you know your players can say, "Okay, we've got to be better defensively. We've got to be better defensively," and it's something. But here's some examples, and if you can see it, then the players can think about it work on that to know you know, the
4: little areas to improve on next season question two uh, if the Coyotes were to leave or when they leave the desert where do you think would be an ideal landing spot so the ideal landing spot is Quebec City
0: look at the ramparts look at that new arena the ramparts are drawing 18,000 for goodness sakes it's unreal so I would say Quebec City would be the ideal spot I know geographically it's not great but uh, Canada
2: could easily use another team, and Quebec City would be ideal. I like that one, Grace. That's, that's a really good one. Um, you know, if, I guess you have to stay out west here. You know, I, I wonder how it would go in Houston. Pretty big community. Um, maybe Kansas City. somewhere. I think somewhere out west here. Even Portland. Does Portland make sense? You know, I I, I don't know. I think they have to look at, at all of them. But I know they've got to get out of Arizona.
4: Question number three. The Columbus Blue Jackets reportedly interviewed Mike Babcock for their head coach position. I've seen some reports that even the Rangers might be interested. Uh, at this point, do you think he would be a good hire for an NHL franchise?
2: Uh, man, thats he's a good coach, there's no doubt about it. I'm not sure that that is the solution. I think I'd look to, to a fresh voice. I'm looking at Columbus. You know, the. You need someone maybe who's a little bit uh, younger, uh, more kind of forward-thinking ways of doing it. Uh, Babcock's been on it for a bit. I know he coached out at U or Saskatchewan, but I, I would decline the interest in uh, Babcock. You know what, Stretti? I'm I'm with you.
0: I how much you know what? How much success has he had since they won in Detroit? I don't – yeah, I'm not – and actually, no, what am I saying? He didn't win in Detroit. So, no, I don't um, – yeah. The Cow's Bab- different than Gallant. What's he different than Gallant, right? Well, I actually think Gallant can be a little stubborn at times, but I would probably actually hire Gerard Gallant first. Um, you know, he has a reputation of being a real um, players coach. Uh, I I I'd, I'd want to dig in deep and find out why he's always short lived in places even though his teams win. That that's what's odd about it. So, but I would I would look at someone else to be honest in Columbus, not Mike Babcock. I don't I I don't think Babcock really fits to to what they have as a team.
4: Question number four. Last night we saw the San Antonio Spurs win the NBA's draft lottery. They only had 22 wins last season. I think it's pretty safe to assume they'll draft Victor uh, Victor Wembenyama with the first overall pick. And with that addition, how many more wins do you think they collect?
0: Has there been a team that has more lottery luck than the Spurs in the (laughs) NBA? Like there hasn't been, honestly. Like, go back and look at it, man. Like they, they be none unreal. I saw a meme and it was so funny, of a uh, coach Pop running down this hallway as quick as he could to go meet him. And you know what? He's had success with big men before. David Robinson, Tim Duncan. He has a lot of a lot of experience in, in helping those guys to become really good players. Now you're gonna have to surround him. With lots of others, like Duncan was kind of lucky because they went from Robinson right into Duncan and he kind of got to learn on the job, so that was nice. But um, Wambayama is a heck of a talent, there's no question about it. So I will say, I'm going to say they jump up to 30 wins next year. 31 maybe.
2: Yeah, that's uh it's an interesting question. I, I I've watched a bit of him uh play and like just just on on uh, my kids they 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 think he's amazing. Obviously he's a unique guy, skinny. Um you know what what is his his what is he what is he going to jump? So if you look at it, you know, the year before the uh LeBron went to Cleveland, they had 17 wins 65 losses. The next year, 35 wins, 47 losses, I believe. So that is at a jump of, like, 20. So can they, can this guy jump them 20? Maybe that would be a pretty big jump. But it, you know, maybe get him. I'll say, an 18 improvement, somewhere 18 to 20 improvement, I guess, Gregs Connor.
4: I like it. He's going to be fun to watch next season. Now, final question for you guys today. Former NFL quarterback Matt Ryan turning 38 years old. Uh, in honor of he and the number he wore, who was the greatest athlete to wear number two of all time?
2: I'll go Derek Jeter. You know, I think part of that is obviously the New York media, uh, you know, just just fluffing him up. But he he was he seemed to be in the middle of a lot of good plays. Derek Jeter, New York Yankees.
0: Uh, I'll go with Kawhi Leonard, and the Kawhi Leonard straight up was a better player. Um, I hey, we, we can have all the jokes about uh, maintenance and everything else, but uh, I will take Kawhi. Also, his freakish big hands and how he can just palm the ball and do stuff at different times—ridiculous.
4: What do you think, Conrad? Who are you gonna who are you gonna pick out of the Chargers? Oh, haven't had too many great uh, number twos. I guess Steve, oh, going, Doug Steve, Christie—well, he was seven with the Chargers, <laughs> so I can't really go that way. I was I was gonna go Kawhi. I'll, I'll forever be thankful for what he did with Toronto. But how about uh, Gizmo Williams? Oh, good uh, one. one. I'll go with the yes. Giz. The Giz was unbelievable like the Giz could probably
0: still play, man. You see the Giz wheeling around? Gosh. Guy is put together, man. He is ripped still. Like absolutely shredded all the time. And just a you know, endless amount of energy. Guys, Cons, I can't believe you didn't go with Tyrod Taylor. Good one. Jeez, Cons, what are you doing? How do you not go Tyrod Taylor?
4: Uh you were number five with the Chargers.
0: Oh, he did? Oh, there you go. All the texers are wrong. He only wore five, never wore two?
4: Well, I think he wore two with the Giants, so maybe Strutty should have gone with Tyrod. No, no, can't. <laughs> can't do that. It, what number is Danny? Is he, he's 11, isn't he? Danny. I
2: can't you don't even, even you know, know what number, number your quarterback is? I don't. You're right. You're right, Grace. It's number eight. Is eight? It eight? <laughs> oh, That's eight. That's what I thought. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I don't, honestly, I don't look at the numbers. Oh, yeah, he's number eight, yeah. What do they say? Seven, nine, 11? <laughs> You threw a
4: lot of numbers at us there. Why well, don't really
2: look at the numbers? I'm not a number guy. I don't think I can tell you most players' numbers. Do you know what number McDavid is? Oh, well, that one's kind of stands out, and we see him every day. But, you know, But I, I don't know. I, mean, I guess you're trying to. Mitch Marner. It. Mitch Marner? What is that guy? He's got an awkward number, isn't he? What is he, nine? Oh, is he? oh my goodness. I have no idea. Actually, I why. thought you were joking about this, but you're not, are you? Sixteen. No. Oh yeah, 16. Yeah, I could see him out there. I am not a see I I don't pay a lot of attention to the numbers. I like I I know them like most of the most players in the NHL I could recognize by their skating stride. Not everyone, but most of the high you know, the high ranked right. guys that you kind of focus on, right?
0: Do you know which guys currently wear number 34 in the NHL?
2: Not enough. But I know one guy <laughs> who stole it. I mean, geez, make it so obvious there. Austin Matthews. <laughs>
0: Oh, uh, so awesome, Struddy! Have yourself uh, a wonderful Wednesday. We will uh, chat with you tomorrow, where um, we'll have a, an interview. I think you're very much going to want to listen to on the show. Well, actually, we have uh, one uh, with uh, Vincent DeHarnay. We also have Terry Ryan on the show tomorrow, Struddy. Uh, you might want to perk your ears up okay. around uh, two thirty-five tomorrow, right before you come on. A lead-in for Strud's. Oh
2: boy, great. I'm
0: be fun. Uh, it'll be good times. So, uh, TR, he's a classic funny dude. Uh We'll get to a sports and update in a second. But first, we're going to go to a little Eagle Rock trivia. Now, I learned yesterday we are going to have non-sports trivia questions. You guys love them. We had the most. Had Connor counted. We had like 218 responses yesterday on one question. It might be the most we've ever had for one trivia question on the text line. It's nuts. So... Uh, we're definitely going to mix in some uh, non-sports trivia questions for sure now. But today will be a sports question. So, order fans, I know you're a little down on the dump, so I thought I'd come up with one that's going to make you feel like, oh, that's pretty good. So, as of today, right now, over the last two playoff years, Leon Draisaitl had the most goals with 20. Connor McDavid was second most with 18. And Evander Kane was tied for the third most with 16. Could you name the other two players? Who tied Kane for 16 playoff goals last year and this year combined? Both answers and your name. Text it to 101260. You can win a round of golf. Tee it up at uh, Eagle Rock or go to EagleRockGolf.com. Book your tee time. Only 50 bucks to get on the uh, links and get the uh, Smokey at the turn, baby. You will never regret it. Get the Smokey at the turn. So there you go. Two players who are tied with Evander Kane, 16 goals the last two playoff years, third most. So the orders have the top three, three at the top five. Not bad. Conman Sports Center Update brought to you by Edmonton Kubota. And uh, you need a tractor? You need a mower? They got them both at great prices, and of course in the unreal orange color. Get it only at EdmontonKubota.com.